Hey everybody, this is Steve. I just want to let everybody know that this episode is going to be our last for 2019. We're not going to have an episode coming out next week. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We will be back uh, the week of New Year's. Now on with the show. In the 21st century, global news is bigger, faster, more complicated, and frankly a whole lot scarier than ever. It's hard to know which stories to pay attention to, or how to make sense of it all. Don't worry too much though, because we got you covered. We're international relations PhDs, and we're here to deliver a lighthearted dose of context and analysis to your podcast app, week after week. We're decoding global politics, so you don't have to. We are... The Elucidators. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Elucidators. As always, I am your host, Steve Pally, and also as always, with me is my co-host, Sumi Chatterjee. How the heck are you, Sumi? I am doing pretty well, Steve. It is nice and cool in Los Angeles and not a ton of traffic, so I will take it. Yeah, as will I. Nice and cool uh, was actually darn near freezing this morning (laughs) a little bit surprising um so yeah i'm wearing my hoodie i'm wearing my socks and i'm ready to talk international relations where are we this week what's going on uh this week we are in india got it this week uh being uh tuesday december 17th by the way and we're in india we haven't been to india yet interesting what's in india uh about 1.6 billion uh people Mm. rather large country yeah um are those people chilling are they you know no having a good time no if we're talking about it it's bad news um oh yeah (laughs) yeah no it's bad it's it's tough political times in india right now so there's 1.6 billion people in india uh 1 billion more than a billion of those of indians are hindus uh this Mm -hmm. is without question a hindu majority state but mm-hmm. what is happening right now is the prime minister of India, Narendra Modi, who recently won re-election back in May, has passed a series of initiatives that appear, according to, to his sympathizers, only appear to uh, marginalize and in some cases disenfranchise, which is to say strip the right to vote, strip citizenship from some members of the Muslim minority in India. Right, I see. Right now, though, the thing that's happened that's caused the unrest, which brings our attention to it, is that a law was passed. A law passed uh, this past week, which basically basically said, on the surface, it, it appeared to be a Religious Freedom uh, Citizenship Act. And the idea mm-hmm. was religious minorities coming from one of India's Muslim-majority neighbors, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Bangladesh, religious minorities in these Muslim-majority countries could come to India and seek uh, a path to citizenship. Muslims that are... Hey, that doesn't sound so bad. No, it doesn't sound so bad. But Muslims cannot seek, under this new law, Muslims will not be allowed to seek any sort of path to citizenship in India. Okay, that sounds worse. All right, so how have people reacted so far? Bad. 
the the short version of this is look there's india is a massive country population wise and it's a very large country geographically but there's 14 percent of india's population or about somewhere between 180 and 200 million indians are muslims and Mm. as a result of this bill which is one in a series of political acts taken by prime minister modi to uh to disenfranchise and marginalize muslims has led to protests in universities uh across india and now into just the regular streets of big cities in india man i was really hoping to not talk about protests again but i guess we are and i guess we're doing it because it's still 2019 and apparently 2019 is the year of protests so yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are again. Yeah. All right. Protests over a law passed in India. Uh, we'll get more into that stuff. But first, I think we should do it previously on India. Do it. Right? Do it. Okay. Previously. 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 Okay, previously on India. So you've already said that India is, I think, the largest country in the entire world with something like 1.5, 1.6 billion people, uh, four or five United States, uh, larger than China. And one billion of those people are Hindu, and another 200 million are Muslims, something like that, right? Uh, So proportionately speaking, just to contextualize this for our American listeners, uh, 14% of a population is a little bit more than the, I believe, 9 to 10% of the American population that is African American. So a small but sizable minority are Muslims in India, right? Yeah. Yeah, 180, 200 million people is a lot. It is the largest uh, religious minority in India. And there are, after Indonesia, the largest national population, national Muslim population in the world is in India, more than any of the Gulf yeah, states. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a massive country and actually a massive Muslim country <laughs> on top of being a massive country. Okay, so what else do we know about India? India is a uh, Parliamentary democracy. That's right. Is India that right? is a parliamentary democracy, and I think now is probably a good time to do a very quick rehash on Hinduism, Islam, and India, uh, and what it really means. So, both India comes into existence out of uh, British colonial rule in 1947. Uh, part of its messy birth is that it is immediately split into two countries. At partition, there is now the creation of Pakistan and India. Pakistan is founded to be an Islamic state, whereas Hindu is founded, sorry, India is founded to be a religiously plural state, despite being a Hindu majority state. Over the course of several decades, tensions between India and Pakistan get, there are ups and downs, but it's always the things are always tight between the two countries. One of the big points of break uh, between India and Pakistan happened in 1971 when East Pakistan separated from West Pakistan and became Bangladesh. In a nasty, nasty civil, civil war. war, India took Bangladesh's side. And so from 1947, we have partition. 1971, we have the creation of Bangladesh. And uh, in the years afterwards, we, of course, have India going nuclear and then later Pakistan going nuclear. Tension between the two states continues, particularly over 
uh, disputed territory in the north of India, in the in its Muslim, its one Muslim majority state, uh, Kashmir. To this very day, to this yes. very day, there are tensions between Pakistan, India, and China over who controls parts of what are, I guess, what Modi is con- considers to be a part of northern India. That's right. And remember that that name Kashmir, because I mean, this could be a subject for a podcast all on its own, yeah. uh, the Kashmir dispute. Uh, but that name is important uh, for what we're talking about today. And we'll get back to it later. OK, so we've got India. We've got the religious split. Uh, we've got the fact that it's supposed to be a secular democracy and has been for for some time. And now we have this guy, Narendra Modi, in power. What's his deal? So Modi is the leader of the BJP party. The BJP, uh, they are a Hindu nationalist party, which is to say that they re-envision India not as not accor- in accordance with its roots as a as a secular country with religious tolerance for minorities, but as not India, more of Hindustan, right? The land of the Hindus, Mm -hmm. which in some ways, I mean, logically you can say, okay, this makes sense. There's 1.5, 1.6 billion Indians and 1 billion of them are Hindus. Well, okay, that follows. That would be the majoritarian solution, right? Yeah, that's right. And you can continue to have a democracy, right, where the will of the majority is represented in the pol- in the political actions of the state. Fine. However, when we, you know, in this country, in the United States, there's somewhere between like two and two and a half million Hindus, uh, of which I am one. We're a small minority. But uh, when you when you in this country, uh, in the United States, when we talk about Hinduism, it's really easy to say, well, okay, there are Hindus. It's a uniform block. But when you actually look at Indian Hinduism, Hinduism is in fact a very diverse religion. Uh, India, there are hundreds of languages spoken, many, many states. As a polytheistic religion, a religion in which many gods are worshipped, there are different parts of different parts of the country, different languages, and different gods worshipped that have certain places of privilege over others. Which is to say, again, Hinduism is an incredibly diverse is an incredibly diverse religion, and trying to create a Hindu state therefore has inherent contradictions built into it. Yeah, especially when you're talking about India at large, which I think. Others have characterized as a continent masquerading as a country, yeah. right? So we're talking about a level of diversity that is off the charts, and it's every type of diversity you would care to name. Geographic, uh, ethnic diversity, religious diversity, economic diversity. Uh, we have everything from glittering techno-paradise cities uh, to abject poverty to slums uh, to basically portuguese speakers in certain places in india right yeah, right uh, so it's it's incredibly diverse that's right there is one of the oldest uh oldest jewish continuously operating jewish communities in the world like for more than two thousand years in the south of india that's crazy i didn't know that so it's it's almost like florida in that respect <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, broke Sumi. Yeah, you did. It is super humid there. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. Okay, so that's India. Um, we've kind of set the table for what what is going on. Uh, we've got massive protests uh, that are actually surprisingly violent uh, across India. 
uh, in response to this law passed through both houses of Congress by Narendra Modi, Modi's uh, BJP, the Hindu nationalists. Can you tell us a little bit more about the protests? Yeah. So basically, this protest, the protests that are happening now are not simply about the the religious uh, citizen, the religious minorities, more minority citizenship act that was passed. What has happened over the last several months, and in fact, throughout Narendra Modi's career, has been, um, let's just say, uh, the poor treatment of Muslims, the promotion of Hindus, and violence that has occurred uh, throughout. So you're saying that there's a pattern to Modi's actions, and I think that we'll get into that further after we take a quick break. Do it. Hello, valued listeners. If you like what you're hearing on The Elucidators, please do us a solid and tell everyone you know about the podcast. If you really love us, please also feel free to rate us five stars on your podcast store, be it iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever, and write us a glowing review, because we rely on your positive feedback and word of mouth to grow and improve. And if you have comments or questions, you can email us at allonewordtheelucidators at gmail.com or tweet us at the underscore elucidators. We may even answer your question on the show. And we're back. Before I so rudely interrupted you, Sumi, you were in the process of telling us about the pattern that has started to stand out in Narendra Modi's actions and how this latest action kind of fits into what seems to be a larger plan, uh, both for him personally, politically, and also for his party, the BJP. Uh, Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So before rising to become prime minister, Modi was the head of the Gujarat state in India. And back at the turn of the century, so 2001, 2002, uh, there was some of the worst bloodshed that India has seen between Hindus and Muslims. And Modi was blamed for not doing enough to try and stop the violence between Hindus and Muslims. Fast forward to uh, his tenure as prime minister. And what's happened in this past year uh, in terms of vis-a-vis Kashmir, the uh, the northern Indian state that is, again, Muslim, majority Muslim, is that the, the very short version of this is in order to keep the peace over Kashmir, Kashmir was given autonomy and uh, was given autonomy by the Indian government. And it was given statehood as yeah. well, right? And what's happened is that has gone away. The The prime minister, Narendra Modi, his government has rounded up thousands of Muslims in Kashmir. It's revoked the area's autonomy. And in another state that borders Bangladesh in the east of uh, India, in the Assam state, they've instituted a citizenship, citizenship test uh, this past summer in which, I shit you not, Two million Indians uh, have been left stateless as their citizenship, their Indian citizenship, has been revoked. That's super messed up. And right. so Assam borders Bangladesh, as you've said. Yeah. And earlier you referenced the uh, the War of Independence for Bangladesh yeah. uh, in 1971. Yeah. And many of those Muslim refugees ended up in India from Bangladesh after that war, right? Right. We have to go back to a time where, you know, the... In, an individual's documentation, identification, saying who they are, where they're from, verifying that they are in fact this person, 
in the in the late sixties, early seventies in South Asia, in the eastern parts of South Asia, we're we're not talking about like the ready availability of all these documents that might be there. So in the mess of this war and the the mass movement of people, you know, maps lines on a map are not lines in real life. So folks have moved generations of of Bengalis uh, and other other various ethnicities in Assam have moved across and now in in this in this time almost 50 years later have been asked to provide documentation stating that they have been that they were indian citizens in 1971 or various forms of identification that are really hard asks and so mm, we're now in this You know place, what? Yeah. This kind of sounds familiar. So earlier I drew an analogy between African Americans in the United States and Muslims in India being roughly proportionally sized minorities in those respective countries, right? What you're describing with the citizenship documentation sounds kind of like what we're seeing in voter suppression efforts in certain uh, US states, whereby everybody needs to provide certain documentation that uh, is much less uh, prevalent among communities of color. What a what a marvelous coincidence! The framing of these of these kinds of actions are uh, the wrapped the wrapping paper. Since we're in the holiday season, is uh, is rule of law, right? What is a mm-hmm. what is a country without a definition of its borders? What is a country if it can't say who its citizens are and whether or not they whether or not an individual or group of individuals has the right to be within that state? So these are now we're now into this the the part of the the argument where it's like, well, are we talking about issues of rule of law and sovereignty, which is the ability to govern within one's borders? Or are we talking about the persecution of minorities, the slow movement to marginalize, to strip citizenship, to disenfranchise, which is to stop folks from the ability to vote, having the ability to vote? Is where are we on these things, and are they both? Can they both exist at the same time? Yeah, and you've described a definite pattern of action on the part of Modi's government and the BJP, whereby. It's pretty easy to connect the dots between his beginnings as a governor in uh, this state that was racked by communal violence against Muslims. He rises to power as president of India, and uh, especially since his reelection earlier this year, where he won a much larger majority in both houses of Congress and has full control of the government, he is now instituting an agenda, an agenda that has not been a secret and that, in fact, he has run on. And the agenda is to start to turn India from a secular democracy into a Hindu state, a self-consciously Hindu state, uh, whereby minorities, particularly Muslims, may be regarded as second-class citizens. And many of these actions, starting with Kashmir and coming through other actions like the Supreme Court's recent designation of a sacred mosque in someplace called Ayodhya, uh, as being uh, given over to Hindus. Um, so this mosque is going to be demolished and the site will be given to Hindus for a construction of a Hindu religious building. Uh, and now to the citizenship, citizenship stuff, I mean, if it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it lays eggs like a duck, kind of going to be a duck. And in this case, a racist duck, right? It's uh, It's not... Uh, it's not a particularly good scene in India right now. To go back to the actual, to go back to the protests, uh, the the citizenship laws in Assam 
this is not popular amongst the Hindus, the Muslims, and the Christians. This is not just a Muslim problem. In Assam, there's great concern that, okay, if you've now taken the citizenship from 2 million people, what's going to happen if they have to leave? Like, are are we now going to have an influx, a massive population overturn? What's going to happen to the regular function of society? Well, <laughs> so I think Modi has a plan for that, uh, just like Warren, except Elizabeth Warren isn't building gigantic prison camps in uh, the state where a bunch of people have suddenly lost citizenships. Uh, so yeah, it, it, the, the plan is apparently, uh, that these suddenly, uh, no longer citizens Stateless people. who are yeah. mostly Muslim. Yeah. Mostly Muslim in, in a Psalm state, uh, are going to be repatriated into these prison camps or expelled to Bangladesh, some combination of those two things. And when you look at that solution, you gotta be like, man, there's nothing liberal about that. Um, what's happening in India Maybe majoritarian in the sense that, yes, people understood that this was Modi's uh, plan and they voted for it in large numbers. Hindus did, at least. Uh, but it's not liberal in the sense that minorities are not being protected. This is a manifestation of illiberal democracy or populism. And incidentally, I've been talking about the United States a lot, too. It's not just happening in India. It's happening all across the democratic world. It's happening in the United States. Uh, it happened recently in the UK. We talked uh, last episode about Boris Johnson winning a massive election in the UK to, uh, for the Conservative Party to take the UK out of the European Union, largely for ethno-nationalist region, uh, reasons. Uh, they don't want to be subject to open borders. So... This is uh, kind of a symptom that's plaguing democracies all over the world right now. And to see this happening in India, it's certainly worrying, but it's all of a piece with uh, other populist leadership in other democracies elsewhere. We're in the middle of this happening in lots of different places. What I guess the next part of that conversation, though, is what happens next. So in the British example you just brought up, we saw what happens next, which is that uh, Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party win a massive election mandate. We're then going to see what it actually takes over throughout 2020 to actually negotiate Brexit. We're going to see if all of the worst predictions for Brexit come true, if it's somewhere in the middle, or if it's actually not so bad, like uh, people on the on the right in England have said. What we're seeing in India is far less determined because the election happened in May, right? So every so Modi wins in 2014. He wins re-election in May of 2019, and he runs on this Hindu nationalist on this Hindu nationalist platform, and he starts putting forward all these laws, which are to be expected, and we expect them because he said they were going to happen, right? And but now what he what he don't run on, and what he didn't run on was tens and tens of thousands of people in the streets of every big city in India. What he doesn't what he doesn't run on is hey, university students in okay, most of them are are Muslim majority uh Muslim majority universities that there's going to be videos of university students sitting in cubicles in libraries doing their work and then police coming through 
and beating the hell out of them and calling women sluts and whores as they as they start swinging batons. Yeah, these videos are crazy, man. Like these police are literally wielding two by fours. They look like two by fours, and they're just smashing people with them. They're on the ground smashing people with two by fours. Right. While somebody is like in their face videoing them with a with a uh, cell phone. Right. So that's not, that's not what Modi doesn't run on saying, hey, by the way, I'm going to spark some more communal violence. And hey, Steve, how would you rate uh, Modi's conflict management skills since these protests have turned violent? Right. So he's sent out some tweets. Uh, Modi is a tweeter. I don't think <laughs> I would call yeah. him a tweeter in chief like we have here in the United States, but he has sent out tweets trying to call for calm and placate the protesters. And he has said... <laughs> and this is interesting. This is very specific language. No citizen of India needs to worry about what is happening with these laws. But the whole point of these laws is that they're going to redefine or they have the potential to redefine who is a citizen of India and who is not. And so I don't think that's really reassuring anybody. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, no. yeah, no citizens out there. You don't need to worry about it. The whole point is. A bunch of Muslims, millions of Muslims in this country could wake up and suddenly find themselves deprived of citizenship and then moved into camps or kicked out of the country. Uh, he's not doing a great job. He also said that they will be able that uh, authorities will be able to use uh, camera footage to identify who is a citizen and who is not. Uh, I'm paraphrasing there with the implication being that, hey, Muslim women wear headscarves. We'll be able to tell them apart and say that they yeah. were responsible for X, Y, and Z. That's not great. This guy is a dog whistler, is he not? Yeah, it's not a good scene. And for a country that has you know, lived with a lot of religious violence in its short history, okay, the civilization goes back thousands of years, but the Indian state goes back to 1947, and religious tensions have existed since its inception. In fact, in many ways, it was born out of religious tension. This is yeah. not good. This is not good. It's not good. And like, I'll bring up another point we alluded to earlier. You have all this. You have all these problems inside of India. Uh, we also mentioned that India is surrounded by Muslim neighbors. And they're probably watching what is happening very carefully, particularly Pakistan, which, of course, is India's Muslim arch enemy and, uh, you know, is, I guess, the cane to uh, India's able or something like that. They're siblings in blood and they hate each other or they have classically. Um, so, the, <laughs> of course, they also both have nuclear weapons. So uh, experts in nuclear strategy are the most worried about India-Pakistan and how their relationship has gone south and could go even further south over time. They're more worried about that than they're worried about the U.S. versus North Korea or against China or against Russia. Right. This is... Uh... It's a it's a bad scene. Um, so what you're talking about is the international relations, the foreign policy consequences of India's domestic politics, which are important. I believe that Shinzo Abe, the prime minister of Japan, recently called off a trip to India because of these protests. There's questions now in the UN about whether or not India should be sanctioned or rebuked. These are not yeah. these are not good scenes for a country that is by most measures, on the rise. 
Yeah, India is a very, very important country already. It's the biggest country in the world. It's critical that India develop uh, clean energy in order for us to hit those Paris targets that we've talked about in the past. Uh, India has, uh, I would not say a good shot, but it does have a shot at being a superpower sometime this century. Um, it's grown very well, and it has amazing technology, a very well-educated populace, lots of resources. Um, and you know, Modi wants to turn India into a Hindu state, but he also wants India to, to continue to develop, and that's going to require outside investment. One thing that outside investors do not like is seeing the country in which they're sinking money slowly turn into something that looks like it could be the early stages of Nazi Germany. That's a bad look for any investor. So I would imagine that uh, the money might start staying away from uh, Modi's India, and that could really impact things politically for him. Anyway, I think that's it for this week. Lots of problems in India. And we're going to continue to monitor the situation. But for now, we're going to leave it right here. Thanks a lot, Zooms. Yeah, see you next time.